But what can you do about that? You can do nothing about the wind. This is the one thing I've learned. Same here. Same in Vegas. It's always going. You can control your own wind, but not nature's wind. Just lay off the dairy and the beans. Sometimes not even that. Yeah, well, it's the dairy. It's the dairy. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast. Uh, I am joined, as always, by the nation's number one uh, right-wing correspondent, follower, tracker, reporter uh with a with another yet another we thought we were done with alex jones tony we thought it was all over we had i look back through our doc of our past shows and we even deleted any 921 alex jones update 928 alex <laughs> jones update 10 5 10 12 11 2 11 uh a lot of alex jones updates we thought we might be done once he uh had his big trial decision there in in um in connecticut but alas we are not done what is going on with our weekly Alex Jones update? What's up with that guy, Tony? Well, I don't know whether you heard, but he had a couple of people in his studio for a big mm-hmm. interview. Actually, a big interview. Of course, he had Milo Yiannopoulos, and he we, had yep, we, we know that guy. We had uh, Nick Fuentes. Mm, we talked about him a little bit, I think, last week. I'm not sure if we actually got that on 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 wax or not, but. I, th- I think we did, but there was also an interview with an individual that was involved with this posse who decided to wear a full body mask is the only way I can put mm-hmm. it. He goes by the name of Yay. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've heard of this guy. Yes. So uh, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago native. Uh, yes. Yes, that's right. Um, so what, what did he have to say? Something... Something uh, not totally unhinged, I assume, was the topic of conversation from uh, from the famous and well, very wealthy music producer. Well, according to the famous, wealthy, and quite a good music producer, rapper, questionable, but you can't deny he's got music production skills. According to him, what you and I are talking into right now is a product of Adolf Hitler, and we should be thankful for it. Because according to Ye, Hitler invented Mm -hmm. microphones. (laughs) Hence, we should be thankful for Hitler. Who who did invent the microphone? I... I, uh... Well, it goes back before Hitler because Alexander Graham Bell had Yeah, I was going to say, I think... If I recall, I believe he was using a microphone uh, at, (laughs) at some point. It was James West... Yes. Uh, Tony, it was James West. And actually, David Edward Hughes invented a carbon microphone in the 1870s. Um, hell, if I, if, I, if I ain't mistaken, potentially before uh, Hitler rose to power um, and maybe did a lot of his inventing, uh, potentially. I'm not sure what his inventor period was. If that was before <laughs> or after the artist period, I'm not sure. But um uh, if I, Lord help me if I don't recall some of them, like uh, actors from Casablanca talking into a microphone every once in a good good while, huh? Yes, absolutely. And the thing, like there were many things that were pushed forward by war. 
on both sides of the um, the axis or the Nazi yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, we should ask our questions a little bit every time we buy a Volkswagen. I, well, that, that's the example that I was going to bring up. It doesn't mean that, that Volkswagen now as a corporation is inherently evil for those reasons. Now, there are many other reasons why the Volkswagen Corporation are currently an evil corporation. But set that sure. aside, companies move and evolve, Adidas moves and evolves, um, but you cannot give Hitler credit for those um, properties and those inventions. He was an evil person, um, and if you want him, give him credit for anything, maybe a Grand Prix circuit, but that was probably through slave labour. He's an evil human being, and if you don't decry him, well, fuck you. And so Kanye did that. That's not the interesting part from an Alex Jones point of view. I think most people saw the interview, sure, this shit show that Kanye West was, probably came away with a whitewashed impression of Alex Jones that he wasn't as bad, yet there was a lot of, <laughs> lot of Jones explaining post-interview on sort of trying to say why Kanye's right because Alex Jones is much more polished at being an anti-Semite and doesn't actually use the words that uh, make people uncomfortable. But sure. the brighter note for us is the fact that this interview with Kanye cost him a fortune in bandwidth because unlike most people, he doesn't have access to streaming platforms like Twitch and YouTube. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he has to pay for the bandwidth himself and not all the providers like Amazon Web Services or your big um, bandwidth houses will actually platform... Azure. Yeah, Yeah. will not platform Alex. So it costs him a fortune to actually pay for this bandwidth. We're talking costs of 20 years ago that that people would have to pay. And this Kanye episode sucked up a shit ton of bandwidth. Now, he's only going to get paid by his true supporters buying his products. And the interesting point for us, again, I think this is the most interesting point at least, is the fact that as I think it is one of the contributing factors that has driven Alex into personal bankruptcy, not corporate bankruptcy. He was already in corporate bankruptcy with Infosys, Infowars, not Infosystems, um, and now he's had to declare personal bankruptcy. And this is a huge hit, and this is what we were really hoping for with the court cases. He will never be poor, but this is really affecting him, and this will keep him tied up in the court for years. So he's having to, uh, this is interesting because, um, you know, pretty much anything discord, uh, you know, my old company, I'm sure my current company too, but, uh, the last company I worked for provided software to, uh, schools, um, and all the software was just sitting on cloud servers. Right. I mean, we had, we, we had, I mean, actually it was old enough software that we had to move it from fucking our old ass physical servers to, um, to the cloud. But what, what you're saying, and of course, somebody who's a listener to our show is going to come on here and be like, you guys are fucking morons. Uh, and that's right. Yes, uh, that's correct. But is he, is he having to like have hot, like boxes in his fucking studio no. or is he get is somebody, somebody is or somebody is, is getting some fucking cloud. There is some cloud service behind him. There's no way yeah. that Infowars could afford to have its own server farm and backups. But the server farms and systems that he has to use because his streaming video, 
the Kanye interview was streamed out live. Right. That, that takes a lot, yeah. That takes a lot. It's costly. And when you don't have the economies of scale as your Microsoft and your Amazons, right. it is a real it's a real cost to your business and apparently it's a real cost to Alex personally. There's no way he has the, the staff because this is a staff of 80 people and I would guess 20 of those work in a warehouse. Um, it is got- tremendous how much money people have given him. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. He's employing 80 people. Yep. Uh, he has no advertisers. It's not like Nike is in there giving him money. Well. It's in my, not my pillow. There's my pillow. Uh, there are gold advertisers. <laughs> These are high value, low volume advertisers. Um, mm. There's also his main method of actually making money, which is through reselling products. Essentially, yeah, um, the, the Alibaba shit and Wish.com pills well, and all that shit. Yeah, yep, and and that's his main method of making money. And I think it's about 0.5 of his audience actually make a purchase. And I think it's an, another one percent of those that are the big donors, but that's how he stays afloat is through people. I mean, that's that's actually a pretty good rate. I mean, if one percent of the people who watch you are donating to you, uh, that's, yeah. But you've got to remember, this is a, a market that crazy. he's cultivated I mean, over that's something. I don't know over twenty five, almost 30 years of, of operating from a bedroom, um, yeah, just operating right. in fear. This is their only news source. Don't um, confuse these this 1% with those that um, listen to Alex and also watch Fox News. These are not the listeners. These are the listeners where their only news source is Alex Jones. And <laughs> uh, so he has cultivated this this cult-like group. Yeah. So it's it's really great to think about that. Uh, <laughs> very good. Yep. So that's uh, that's what he's been up to. Um, I would say that he also had a. I mean, I'm not sure how much Alex gave a shit about Herschel Walker. Do you, do you, I mean, is that really something he's like? Is he is he really part of electoral po- politics setup, or is he just he's just He's in his whole outer, like, different shit, right? Or is there, is he sitting there, like, stumping for, you know, Herschel Walker types? Look, if you listen to Alex, he's above the left right paradigm. This is oh, according, right. yeah. according to Alex. But I would say Herschel Walker is the exact political candidate that Alex Jones could have been 10 to 15 years ago before all the Sandy Hook ship went down. They are birds of a feather. They have mm. both railed against abortion for the time it's been politically expedient for them, yet they have both talked about having funded abortions, whether it be um, through their partners or just being good guys. Um, so Herschel is a guy that Alex stumped for and sure. is essentially a less articulate version of Alex Jones. Herschel Walker is sort of that right-wing grifter type that will glam on to any hot-button issue and will go against personal values and will say stupid shit. But unlike Alex, he's not quite as savvy. And, um, yeah, he's not. He's not as good at it. Yeah, but my broader question to you: Okay, we saw Raphael Warnock defeat Herschel Walker. 
Is Georgia more of a swing state than Florida is these days? Like Florida was always the bellwether. It's more of one than Wisconsin is now. I I would say it's it's been what the last at least the last presidential election it was Biden won Georgia. Uh, Warnock's won two now, right? He won the the yep. runoff here, and then he won the um, a couple of years ago the for the for the seat there. Um, yeah, I would say George George because Georgia is different than a lot of these other southern states. Georgia is a lot more. Um, it's got more transient, more um, yep. a bigger urban center, um, and it, and more more of a for lack of a better term, more of your like traditional uh, suburban Chicago suburban type yep. liberal, I would guess, you know, <laughs> a younger population, a lot more, there's a lot of university study, a lot of universities, a lot of medical in Atlanta. So different type of setup. The, the other state where that shifted the other way was North Carolina. So North Carolina used to be more of a swing state. And it seems to have been become more firmly red over the last few years because Charlotte has, um, I think, changed a little bit, um, and a lot of the uh, folks have moved out of moved out of Charlotte into other states as the cost of living's gone up there. Same with Tennessee. Tennessee was never a swing state, but Tennessee, like you would think, it would become one because Nashville's grown so much. But it's a whole other type of person that lives in yeah. Nashville. Yeah, it's interesting to see the way populations move around, and the fact that that Tennessee has become um, more conservative, or at least as conservative. And you have places like Texas where they're they're not purple by any means, but there are pockets within Texas that are becoming um, mm-hmm. more available to to the left in pockets whether it be austin or even even um well, some know, it's interesting with, North, with the carolinas i mean south carolina we just forget it but yep. north carolina i mean asheville might be one of the most liberal cities leftist cities in the country uh it's it's like portland you know pretty much <laughs> and and then you know you drive through the rest of north carolina or even out into the rest of the county, and you're like, "Oh, this is a whole other, <laughs> well, whole other thing." I mean, Georgia, Georgia's crazy. I mean, I don't know if you looked at the county by county, but there were counties where where Herschel Walker won them by like 94 percent, you know. Yeah. But they also only had 1,100 people living in them, you know. Yeah, and you you've got Atlanta, which is um, which is a huge huge win for the Democrats, and you've probably got places like. Uh, Athens that are that probably are nowhere near as conservative as these other counties, and this is where the um, sort of lack of savvy, and I think it's deliberate lack of savvy with some voters comes in, is people look at the counties and they they see a couple of Democratic counties, even though right. the majority of people live in those counties and therefore it moves the whole state. They think it's got to be rigged. There's only five counties in the whole of Georgia that are, that are voting. Yeah, like, well, two, two million people live in Cobb <laughs> County or whatever of, yeah. of Georgia. And same here in Nevada. Nevada is another one where if you looked at a picture, you'd see like, how is the whole goddamn thing red except for the bottom tip and the top left? And you're like, well, that's where all the people live. You know, it was what two and a half, two and a half million in Clark County. And the whole state has 2.9 yeah. million, you know, <laughs> 
Yeah, the same thing probably holds true for Chicago as well because you you sort of surrounded. Yeah, to I, a degree. I, I know you talked about sure. Wisconsin uh, becoming more uh, progressive, but you've got Iowa, Missouri, Indiana. But Wisconsin's become less progressive. Wisconsin's oh, become a red a red state. A red pretty state. Much. Wisconsin yeah. and Georgia have switched places because. Um, I, I don't know why, why that is. I don't know if people have left Madison and Milwaukee, maybe. Um, I, that would be my guess. But all the rest of the state, I mean, if you go into God's country of, of Minnesota, it's a, it's, it might as well be cold Georgia. I mean, it's, it's just it's a mess. But then the funny thing is you get into Minnesota and it's a total opposite. Yeah, and, and there's another perfect example where the cities rule a day. You're looking at a very yeah. progressive city in Minneapolis and, yeah, the rest of the state is, uh, yeah, stuck in 1883. Yeah, it's cold over there. Um, the bra- Their brains have frozen. Yeah, enough yeah. US politics. Let's get on to the politics of the world, i.e. the Soccer That's World right. Cup. A.K.A. the, the footy. Um, so, Tony, uh, we both lost our uh, our teams this weekend. Uh, they went. They went MIA. Actually, the US went more MIA than Australia. Australia was pretty competitive. I um, I thought it was a pretty good. I thought they 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 almost had a run at it there at the end and couldn't quite get it across the line. But can I say um, I was so shocked yeah. that we were able to get so close to a superpower like that? I know this is a sport yeah. that is um, about close results and two one. Um, is not always a close result, but I thought it was a, a valiant effort and really... I, I totally agree. That was a great job. Really overperformed where our squad, squad had been rated and I couldn't be more proud of the way that the team actually banded together, played as a team. The job the coach did I thought was phenomenal and to get to there is really something that should be applauded. I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Um, no. Soccer for me, however, will fall into the background again. I will, We're done with that. Yeah, yeah. I will follow other sports now. Tennis is coming up for the Australian Open in January, so I'll be following that until all the Australians are knocked out. Um, I'm not really a cricket guy. It's kind of like you and baseball. It's there in the background, but it's not kind of my thing. Right. And then I'll be back onto Aussie rules football, and the NBA will be on in the background for me. Now, what are your thoughts on the US? I haven't been following them particularly closely, but I didn't um, think they were highly rated coming into this tournament. So maybe they performed as expected. I think they did what they, what they were expected to do, but they probably had they probably should have gotten more. Um, I don't think I don't think the Dutch were that much better of a team than them. Um, I think they had a much more experienced manager uh, who made much better decisions on who to play. Uh, they were a little more stylistically coherent um the u.s is still sort of i don't know still missing like a like a a gene or an attacking genetics or attacking style or anything it's just sort of like you know throw roll it out there and see what happens um and and i i never they they even had a couple of good attempts early on i felt like if they would have gotten the first goal um and they had a great opportunity early on. They, they didn't take it. Um, that would have changed a lot for sure, uh, obviously. But um, I think they need a new manager. And this is maybe the worst possible outcome is it was good enough. Everybody was happy with the kind of happy with the effort and the outcome. And now it's like, well, how do we get our manager back? Because that was pretty good. And I'm like, eh, shouldn't this team be doing a little more um, than just like barely hanging on? I don't know. So I guess we'll see how the next 
two year cycle goes as the continental cup, you know, and the, everything comes up. But, um, I think it would be, uh, it's a, it's a bit naive to say this guy is going to really put it together from a management or, or stylistic standpoint. But we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting that we may have new coaches going forward into the next World Cup cycle for very different reasons because I know people are coming for Graham Arnold because of what he was able to achieve with that particular playing group and he wasn't highly rated before coming into this tournament. I hope he gets paid. If if that's the outcome we get out of this, um, somebody who's been a, a stalwart of Australian um, soccer um, deserves to get paid and yeah. if that means he has to go offshore and, and coach, um, good on him because he's been around the, the national team and the national leagues for a long, long time. I can remember him as a player. He goes back that far. Yeah, it's um, that said, I am enjoying. I'm gonna enjoy the quarterfinals. I'm I'm looking forward to the last handful of games here. Um, I think England France gonna be really good. Oh yeah, competitive game. Um, obviously Argentina and Brazil are currently primed to run into each other in the semis if they both beat the respective uh, European teams. I think Brazil plays Croatia and um, the uh, uh, Argentina plays the Dutch. Yeah, the Dutch. That's right. Yep. So, um, both winnable games for them, but but also, you know, those teams can pull a pull a rabbit out of the hat pretty easily too. So, should be a, should be a fun last. Uh, what have we got? Maybe ten days left of this thing. That feels that about right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let me get back to the club. The club footy, anyways. Um, all right, one last sports thing, Tony. Uh, boy, remember when we were like optimistic about the Bulls a couple weeks ago? Yes, I feel like they are um, not too I, good. I feel like I got sub- sucked into a riptide of of potential around the Bulls because I know you as a Bulls fan, but I all as always known you as a realistic Bulls fan, and you weren't somebody who got sucked in and and the way you were talking you were talking that they had real potential even without Lonzo there that they they had the pieces to to stay in contention and and make a move was, towards the I end of the year that, I don't think I was that far off but they are a little worse than I thought um really? I thought 40 wins I thought 40 wins was was a possibility uh that's mostly what I said 40 44 wins in a playoff berth uh um, it looks like they are not as good as that. Uh, although today they did win, they beat the Wizards, um, but they got kind of the best possible outcome for them, which they don't seem to get. Which is, uh, a, you know, twenty-five from Vooch, twenty-five from Levine, and twenty-seven from DeRozan. That's hard uh, to do yeah, all the time. If, if those guys go nuts every game, they'll be able to beat the Wizards by four. Um, <laughs> You know, Kobe White is just not a guy who can do anything for you every day. Yep. Uh, Dragic is old. Yeah. Um, He's a guy that's all, falling off a the cliff, really. They have a lineup of, like, sixth men, essentially, that they're playing. Yep. They just don't have enough. End of the game scoring and the defense is a little messy still. And uh, I don't blame the coach. I think the coach is doing what he can with the assets he has. Um, these guys are getting older. They got old fast. And in a lot of ways, you wonder if they shouldn't, you know, make the tank here. You know, why, why, why waste a year at 38 and 48 or whatever it is, 44 or whatever it is. And then, uh, and when you could be going after, uh, 
big Victor Wembayama and getting some fucking that, that guy who every time you see a highlight of him, you're like, what? You're not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, the only issue there is, okay, you're not guaranteed it, even if you get the best lotto odds with the way the lotto has been rejigged. So how far do you tank? Do you just currently go along your merry way at, at 300, um, miss out on the play-in um, but don't have great odds, or do you pull up stumps, try and get some some picks in, try and make some moves? Because they have players that people want the Vols. Somebody would want DeRozan. Some some competitive some some top team could use a end of game scoring. Yes, but those teams, what assets have they got to give in return? That's the other thing well, that you've got to take into account. Because you're not looking for too much. You're looking for draft picks, and yeah, but uh, you're looking for. Um, Cap relief, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but those top teams don't have often have a lot of cap relief, and they often don't have great draft picks to give up. So it it really narrows the field in that regard. Sure, there are a couple of them where that's a possibility, but it's, yeah. it's I'm it's, not it's, sure what that looks like. But I would at least make an effort at it. Yeah. I, maybe they are. Maybe they're doing that. Um, but the issue becomes somebody like Vucevic, which I know has been quite good for Chicago. I don't see him as being a natural fit in a lot of top teams. No, I don't. Well, I don't the think league. he's the one you're not going to be able to move, and he's only been okay for the Bulls. But um, I think uh, I think Levine and DeRozan, you could figure out something with, uh, and and you you bag it a little bit, you know. It's um, but that said, it's easier said than done. Yep. Uh, everybody loves calling into Chicago radio shows and you're like, the balls should trade, you know, whatever. Not, <laughs> not that easy. So No, and that's what I was trying to uh, Because What I'm saying is that it could be, you know, it could, uh, uh, this could go on longer. Uh, yeah. The Bulls are still, I mean, they're not getting blown out every night either. No. You know, they're, they're the, pretty much in these games. They just don't have enough to win at the end. Okay, but they're sitting um, at 9 and 14, um, which is 12th in the East. The Oklahoma. Now they're 10 and, they won tonight. They're ten and fourteen. Okay, they're ten and fourteen. The Oklahoma City Thunder, who we cannot debate um, whether they're trying to win or not. They've gone on a three-game win streak, but this is a team that went into the year knowing what they are. They're a young team, full of assets, full of picks, kind of the opposite of the Bulls. Are sitting a game <laughs> above them at eleven and thirteen. Yeah. And so I think that shows the tricky spot the Bulls are in. Is this even salvageable with the right parts? Yes, but are the right parts available? That's the problem. You can't yeah. make parts from nowhere. That's what a lot of people in the uh, hot take world don't understand. It, it's fine to want to get rid of these guys, like, but you've got to get something in return and there's not always something available in return. And to, to yeah. cut your losses... Maybe you hold on to them for another year. Maybe this year sucks. Maybe you can get more at the end of the year or at the start Could of be true. next season. It's, it's just not everything has to happen before the trade deadline and not everything that is advantageous can happen before the trade deadline. Shouldn't do it in, you probably shouldn't do it in December either way. Um, no. That's the problem. Uh, but they also have to pick a lane, you know, and sort of say like, well, this is what we're trying to do. Now, do they have to, I don't think they have to worry about that before Christmas. Um, it's Hey, losing games at the end of the year, lots of teams are great at that. And they'll, and if the bulls decide, Hey, we're only, 
Uh, we're, we're eight games below 500. It's, it's January 24th. And there's some desperate teams out there that thought they were going to be top half of the conference, but they're not. Uh, that's when you want to move, right? Yep. Um, so no rush. Hey, listen, how hard would it be for the Bulls to go on a four game win streak here? That's not, that's not insane. Then they're 500. Not, not a crazy thought to have, right? They play yeah. Dallas. They play, uh, that one's going to be maybe not so easy. Um, but they're at home. They got Dallas, uh, Atlanta (laughs) and the Knicks, but the Knicks back to the Knicks on a, on a, uh, back to back, back to not back to back. Oh, two, two in a row at home against the Knicks. Is that right? (laughs) Wild. What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, at some point they have the, they have the two in a row with the Knicks in Minnesota. So, uh, you never know what the Knicks are going to do. They're one of those teams that you, you really can't put a line around and the Timberwolves, that sort of went the way I thought it was going to go. These next five or six games, maybe eight games are probably going to be, we're going to, we're going to start figuring out where we're at. Yeah. I reckon Uh, you'll be lucky to go 500 in those next six to eight games. I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of Bulls fans that listen to this podcast, but yeah, I don't see a way out. (laughs) Well, Um, you, you listen as we record. There you go. There's a lot of Bulls fans. I'm hearing it now, right? There's at least one uh, listening right now to what you're saying. Uh, Rip Hamilton. That is funny, Tony. I, I, uh, I did put, uh, rip all these things because they're all dead. Alex Jones, Herschel Walker, the Socceroos, the Bulls. And Tony said Rip Hamilton, which I first looked at and I was like, <laughs> what, you mean the play <laughs> with that? What the feller in there? Uh, but that was not. No, was not I meant the uh, former Bull, former Piston. He played for the Bulls. Briefly a, briefly a Bull. Yeah. One of the, unfortunately, not uh, was not excellent with the Bulls. Um, I think the Bulls thought they were that was going to be the piece that got us above Miami. <laughs> that uh, was, uh, in retrospect, greatly misguided. Um, Rip Yellowstone. Now, what is that? Is that an Australian guy's name? No, no. It's actually Rip Wheeler. He's a character from Yellowstone. Have you watched Yellowstone? No. Okay. I will say it's it's worth a watch. I don't know anybody that hasn't watched at least one episode other than yourself. It's. Um, it's probably the best drama on TV. That's not saying much because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of great TV dramas out at the moment. Um, lots of violence from time to time, but some great character actors and um, it's led by Kevin Costner. How can you go wrong? Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that Kevin Costner is doing a show for Fox Nation, some kind of like travel show or something. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Foxy in the way that like Fox News is or not. I can't tell. But, no, they've been separated uh, for some time. Those studios. So if it's not right, on Tony, Fox I thought we I thought we'd do a quick segment here. I haven't done this in a while. Maybe not since I even moved to Vegas. But I wanted to. Um, I thought I would. Uh, open my Tavor box live. All right. Yeah, that's right. I don't know what's in here. I actually did not expect to get a Tavor box. I messed up with my deliveries. So guess what? I have one. And we're just going to open this thing, this bad boy up here. Okay. And see if I can't, uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of beers I got in here. So we'll jump into the beer talk a little early. Yeah. So how often these days do you get a, 
to Vorbox because I feel like you haven't spoken about them for quite some time because you've got um, places in Vegas where, you, where you're buying. Yeah. Your I'd say once every like three or four months, I've been trying to like build up a, I'll try to build up a big haul. But lately there has been a lot of BA stout coming out. So I, um, I guess I did build up a nice one. There's a good handful of beers in here. Uh, all right, let's see what we got. Um, okay, hey, we got some uh, some more Deep Star. Nice. Love some those more things. Deep Star. I got that for a good price. Um, we got, this is Transient Artisan Ales. That's from Michigan. Juni Reserve 7, Imperial Rye Stout, aged two years in Henry McKenna bourbon barrels with uh, cocoa nibs and salted caramel. Ooh, delicious. Yeah. That could be good. Uh, there's a Firestone box in here, Tony. What is this? Some double Paraboloid. Barrel? Oh. Paraboloid. 21 or 22? Uh, 22. This is Parabola, but aged in rarest stock barrels from 14. Oh, it's 14-year-old Fitzgerald barrels and 18-year Sazerac barrels. That'll be delicious. All right. Like, That's you can't good. miss with that. We like that. Walker put Parabola or any of its variants on a label you can't miss. Uh, we got some bottle, bottle logics in here. Shout out to PMAC. Uh, I have more time to explain breakfast stout, uh, lactose, bourbon barrels, blueberries, and maple syrup. That's a sugar boy right there. Yep. We got uh, reaction state bourbon barrels uh, finished with cocoa nibs, vanilla coffee, and cinnamon. Is that a um, bottle logic as well? Yep, and then Motions of the Moon, also Bottle Logic, Hazelnuts and Cacao Nibs and Bourbon Barrels. Good. Um, Man, so I bought this this Allagash. We don't get Allagash here in Vegas. Uh, this is the Day's End Ale Brewed with Lambrusco, Grape Must, Angelica Root, and Bitter Orange. Oh, it's inspired by a Boulevard Boulevardier cocktail. Ooh, that sounds... That sounds good. That sounds very different to everything else in the box. I think that's everything. Wait, hold on. Okay, I shall hold. Holding. Uh, 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 He's digging uh, deep here, people. Uh, Lots of packing peanuts. I just want to show this one. I had to get this one only because of the bottle. This is a Homer Simpson donut inspired <laughs> bottle. I love the, the wax top, seal. I normally hate the wax, wax seals. Has, the wax is pink wax like a Homer donut with sprinkles in it. Yep. This is from 903 Brewers, barrel-aged donut stout, donut-flavored stout, aged 12 months in Iron Root Republic whiskey barrels. So this is amazing. I, lo- I love this bottle. I do not know anything about the beer, really. I just saw the bottle on Tavor, and I was like, well, I have to have that because I'm a... Uh, if people don't know, I am a Simpsons head. Uh, I've watched <laughs> pretty much every episode of the first 12 seasons of The Simpsons 300 times. Uh, and so I had to get the beer to fit it. So that's my Tavor box game. Not bad. How many beers? I didn't do too bad. Uh, I've been I've been building this box since August. Um, so this is what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11, 12, 12 over. That's not too bad. So instead of getting a monthly Tavor box, we're into yep. every four months now, pretty much. 
That's that's where we're at, Tony. What beer out of that bunch are you most looking forward to? What is the? I think the I think the paraboloid. I think I saw the paraboloid and I was yep. like, ooh, that's good. I have some regret about all the bottle logic I bought, but I am going to a share on Saturday, so I bet I can unload one or two dems. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be nice. Um, but whatever, it's it's all fun and games until the boxes and garbage start overflowing out of my house. So after hearing you babble on about Imperial Stouts and barrel-aged stouts specifically, I had to go and grab one. It's day-drinking mm-hmm. barrel-aged stouts. How fantastic is that? Probably not good for the health. I don't do it all the time while we record, but I had to get my hands on something. So I decided to grab something that had been laid down in my fridge for the past three months and um, tucked in the back of the cupboard for a couple of years, and that's um, a Hawker's Rum Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout from 2020 that I'd forgotten about. So I decided I'd uh, tear it out and I'll do some uh, deep tasting notes right. or as deep as my do tasting notes. Give us a live taste. What do we got? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's tell us more about this thing. It's rum boozy without the heat on the nose. Okay. It's uh, very molassesy um, brown sugar. Lacks carbonation, but no oxidization. For a rum barrel age, it's got more chocolate note than I was expecting, more sort of the bourbon way of going than sort of like rum barrels, I'm sure you'll agree, often taste like rum barrels and that's all you get. It tastes like rum. This is this has got more chocolate note to it than the most rum barrels that I've had. Really, really delicious. Hawkers know... They know what they're doing with uh, a big beer, and this is this comes in at thirteen point four percent, so it's a big beer. So yeah, very excellent uh, example of a, a rum barrel aged out. No adjunct, so. Well, Tony, I, I think you said you liked it uh, based on my best intel. Uh, yeah. Is the what's the age giving you? Are you getting like? A, are you feeling like the age is is muting the rum? heat because that's that's always a feeling i have with the rum is i'm like captain okay getting very a lot of so. captain morgan here right okay no, no not very many captain morgan vibes it's it doesn't have a lot of those raisiny flavors or molassesy flavors or brown sugar flavors that i tend to get from rum i get like okay. an alcohol nose um mm-hmm. a lot more chocolate than i was expecting for for something like this so I think it's it's a really – I don't think it's a stereotypical example of this, but for something that's been laid down for almost two years, I think it's a great example. It hasn't oxidised. Um, it's non-adjunct, and I wouldn't want to lay down an adjunct version of this, but I think actually laying this down has, has mellowed those really upfront rum flavours. All right. Uh, I like it. Hey, listen, I've been more inclined on enjoying the rum barrels lately. I, I typically did not care for the rum beers, but I think the breweries have gotten better at, at utilizing it. So um, good to hear. Uh, Tony, I think we should uh, jump into our Discord and talk about what our listeners are up to, huh? If you want to get into our Discord, just drop us a note on Instagram. We're Beer Engine Pod. Uh, or you can send us an email, beerengineshow at gmail.com. We will add you. Great. 
uh, Cascade Dank. Uh, he is in Florence, or was, anyways. Uh, I've never been to Italy, Tony. I'd love to go, uh, I think. Uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to put together a little Italian, I think, if I'm going to go to Italy. But um, had a half, he had a decent Italian double IPA off draft. Beer wasn't bad, a bit light, only 7.6 ABV. Very clean and crisp. Italy does make, of course, some wonderful beer. Um, I, I think beer, beer Fisio, uh is, uh, uh, was it Beer Fisio del, del Borgo is maybe one of uh, the great ones. Yes. Um, and uh, there's probably a few others, I'm sure, too, I, that I'm not thinking of. Um, so we have a new brew dog. You guys have a new brew dog bar in Melbourne, eh? I yep. saw. Eh? All right. In, in the old Pentridge prison. I'm uh, not familiar with what that is, but that's uh, something. And and just wouldn't you know, on that same day that Nick posted that, Nick Torg, thank you. They opened here in Las Vegas. Um, I I did not go check it out. Nick Nick said he was going to go check uh, the Brewdog Bar out. Now that last week, I did not make my way over to the Vegas Bar, uh, but we've got some stories about it in our beer news. So. Yep. Stay tuned. Uh, I will say I, 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 of course, have agreed with Tony that I am going to go despite the um, bad behavior of uh, James Watt and uh, uh, the people of, of BrewDog um, just because I have to do journalistic diligence, I believe, to uh, after talking about BrewDog pretty much every week for the last hundred weeks or so. Yeah. Pentridge, but I am it is, it is a curiosity. So. Yeah. Pentridge has been redeveloped. It was a former prison. It um, was perhaps the most famous, vying for the most famous modern prison in Australia. Um, mm. The other one would be Long Bay in Sydney. I think Long Bay is um, still operating. But it's, it's famous for hosting a whole bunch of... Um, Famous Australian prisoners, Ned Kelly, okay. who I'm sure Ned you're familiar Kelly. with. We've heard him talk um, about him. You may not know, but the last person to be executed in Australia was Ronald Ryan. He was housed there, the Australian gangster Squizzy Taylor, and mm-hmm. I believe Mark slash Brandon, which is his real name, Chopper Reed. Now, he was a notorious mm. criminal in Australia. You should look up the film that was made about him that stars Eric Banner. It is a masterpiece. It is perhaps not an accurate depiction of Chopper because Chopper was kind of a scumbag in real life, even though he was a bit of a rogue. Um, But definitely worth um, checking out Chopper starring Eric Banner. And he spent a lot of time at, at Pentridge. So I'm looking at the pictures of the Pentridge location. Uh, we'll say familiar. It looks like a brew dog for sure. Um, nice place. I'm sure the you know every time I've eaten anything at one of these, it's been pretty good. I think the only, I think I've eaten at the one in Reykjavik, maybe somewhere else. I'm not sure, but um, you know they're fine places from like an experience standpoint. It's just that you know you kind of have to put up with, you know, the cognitive dissonance of having to, having to, um, be there. Let's, let's see what's on the, let's see if we can get a gander at the, at the beer list, huh? Uh, now you say cognitive dissonance, but don't we have to have that with most modern corporations that are 
as large as Brewdog. I know James Watt is an asshole, and I know Brewdog is an asshole company, but they're an asshole, um, at least on the surface. Most companies are warm and fuzzy, but are assholes below the surface. Right. That's true. Yep. It's it's just part of the deal, I guess, right? You, I mean, I was talking about this earlier. It's it's just having to, like, put it right. There's no... There's no uh, there's no great corporation. There's no ethical, right? There's no ethical <laughs> consumption under capitalism, right? So you can't say like, I'm never going to Chick-fil-A, but I'm going to Walmart. You know, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all bad, but you know, we're, we're stuck with this um, situation a, a bit that we um, we've created for ourselves. So the whole boycotting thing, it, it's silly. I get it. But also you're just like, there's so many good beer places I could go to in town. Am I really going to do this? Yes. That said, I can park for free at the Park MGM, and I can go get a – I'm sure they have decent beers, so I can go check it out uh, at the Vegas one. So why don't we real quick take a look at the the beers on at the Melbourne one. It's not, I don't know why it's not giving me a beer list. I click on what's on, and I'm not getting any sort of any sort of beer list. Gee, the- I would love to know what they have on, but I can't do it. No, they've. I'm just checking the menu now. Uh, food and drink. Um, only their food menu is available at the moment, so they don't have a tap list. Yeah. Oh, well. I see our full drinks menu here. Okay, hold on. All right, maybe I found it. Breedog Pentridge. Food plant on tap. Yes. All right, Tony. We can pick pick out a beer for you <laughs> when you go. They have uh, the Lost Lager. That's the one they got in trouble for uh, sending over to, to to Qatar, despite them saying they weren't fans of the, the World Cup. The Metroplex Mid. This is a uh, classic beer for the Australian market. What is a mid? Is that like a mild ale session? Session well, session lager. It's a session it lager. It's a, it's a lager that comes in at about oh three and a half to four percent. See our standard lagers come in at about four and a half to five point six. Um, so we got a shandy. We got jet black heart. That's the your nitro stout. They're in 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 Australia. They're calling punk an XPA, not an IPA. Oh come um, on, Brewdog. Punk has been around punk, for punk years. XPA. Don't rebrand it. E Division Pale Ale, Buoys of Summer, Elvis Juice, that's the IPA with grapefruit, Silk Road, that's the lychee and mango hazy IPA, Jackhammer, Ruthless India Pale Ale, and then they have Guest Beers, Deeds Draft, Hawker's West Coast IPA, Dayton Pink Lemonade, Three Ravens Mold Stout, and Hop Nation Rotten Hund, and yeah. some Two Brothers Cider, and that's what you got. Um out of those guest beers, because they're the ones that I can speak to aside from um, Punk, XPA and Elvis Juice, I've had both of those, uh, the one that I would actually recommend, because it is so different, especially if we get some warm weather in Melbourne, which we haven't been getting any warm weather of late, is the Dayton's Pink Lemonade. Um, it drinks almost like... A um, 
seltzer in many ways. It's really, really um, light as far as the sourness goes. Super drinkable. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, not hard to get your hands on, but I've never had it on tap. But that would be the guest draft that I would actually indulge in. So, uh, on, um, on the BrewDog uh, Vegas one, they do link you to, uh, if you want to see what's on tap, they link you to untapped where they do not have a menu. So uh, we won't be able to find out what Great I would job, drink. Great job, BrewDog. Las Vegas. So there you go. Um, what else was going on? Well, we had some big stuff going on in general with one of our listeners um, who was... Uh, Oh, did La Serene close their by tap you, room, Tony? Their tap room oh, okay. has closed. Um, okay. And they don't have a definite reopening date. As far as I can tell, it doesn't mean that their brewing operations are affected, but it's not normally a good sign for the tap room to shut down. Um, fingers crossed they're a, a name that I'm a big fan of their beers. I, I've mentioned them many times before. Nick Talk's been lucky enough to go there, but yeah, it's it's really quite sad that their their tap room is closed down, and hopefully Here's. it's a it's a council issue and not a business issue. So uh, we have had a PMAC there in in Qatar for the World Cup. Um, very exciting. Uh, so I had been asking if he had been at the game at the Australia game. Apparently, he hadn't made it quite yet. Um, uh, but he's he's been there. He had several $27 Stella and Guinness. Uh, <laughs> mm, delish. Uh, he's been on the FIFA Wi-Fi, and he knows it has some limitations. Couldn't get onto the Puma website uh, because Adidas wouldn't like that. And the whole city is great. Feels like another planet where Infantino, who is the president of FIFA, is the supreme overlord. Um, so then there's, we got some picks from, from PMAC of the game, him drinking his bud zero, um, uh, here at the big stadium, watching Portugal and Switzerland and Spain and Morocco. Great game. Um, and then in the hospitality, drinking some, uh, buds, some real bad uh, for free, hanging out with some, uh, Qatari children. Very cool. Nice job, PMAC. Look at you having a great time. I'm jealous, honestly. It looks like fun. That's that's a weird way to phrase that photograph. That That's a really creepy way to phrase that photograph. But, yeah, hanging out with a a, a bud in um, essentially. He's got his, yeah, he's just hanging out with a friend. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, like, not, he's not. He's not walking around in at, at the local grade school no. with a video camera or anything. But what I was going to say is there are so few Qatari nationals and this, this kid looks like a Qatari national that that's probably... And really, that's just an assumption. He may not be. He, he very well easily could be from anywhere in the world just wearing a... Um, I yeah. do not know the name of the... No. Uh, the garb. So that's we're not going to do... We're not even going to say anything racist. It's fine. It's I know. Normal. We're just going to move on. Uh, I, ha- I will say there have been a lot of racist stuff. There is a lot. Of, have you seen the people like in Croatian flag patterned um, sort of your traditional M- Middle Eastern male outfit with the with the the head covering? But it's like with the pattern of the Croatian flag. And I'm like, that doesn't feel too good. But maybe I don't really understand the custom on that. See, this is my little understanding that 
actual getup isn't religious. So I don't think there's any sort of cultural appropriations going on. I actually think it's suited to the conditions. That's why it has survived. It's actually something that's comfortable in the weather conditions of the Qatari environment. What yeah, we- I'm not sure. I would be honest. I'm not positive how much better that makes it or not. But uh, maybe a little. <laughs> well, it still it, feels it just- like if, if you were a Croatian person and you were just hot, and dry, you wouldn't put that on. I don't know. Wouldn't you? Like, if I knew the best solution to it's something going hot in, in Croatia, isn't it? I don't know. No, not really. Like, okay, they might get a couple of 30-degree days during the year. Croatia is not a country that would be getting Vegas-like temperatures. And, and Vegas, okay, well, is, yeah. Vegas is an air-conditioned sure. society. And a lot of these people staying in... Guitar for the World Cup don't have access to air conditioning, um, especially when they're out and about. I, I, I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be comfortable. And maybe maybe uh, maybe Pemac needs to get some better better gear for this, huh? Yeah. Like he's probably at the four. He's probably at the Four Seasons or some shit. Absolutely, on the Australian taxpayer dot. Now, I want to say this. I believe that government um, employees and Pemac is one of them deserve to be pampered when they're overseas because the amount of Absolutely. red tape that they have to fucking deal with, um, they deserve to, to I think be our listeners deserve to be pampered when they're overseas. Yeah. So I think I, I encourage all of our listeners to ensure that they're staying at only the finest hotels. Uh, and in Las Vegas, I can tell you what, that is the Trump Hotel. You can find it just behind the Circus Circus there uh, along the uh, along the 15. Uh, the finest of conditions. Uh, and, hey, same in Chicago. Don't even need to recommend a different one. You just go to the Trump International Hotel right along uh, the Chicago River. Uh, only the best for the listeners of the Beer Engine podcast, of course. So Yes, and, uh, and they need our support. Let's be honest. They have just been found guilty of um, 17 counts, was it, in New York? Our listeners? Oh, no, the Trump. No, the Trump org. Uh, it wasn't Trump himself. It was the Trump org. Brutal. Um, yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, I believe it was the organization or something or something. Yeah. I think he's scot free somehow. Of course he has. Uh, all right. A little bit of beer chat this week. So congrats to our buddy, Corey, who was selected in the random draw for perennial big perennial barrel age release. Um, it, and this was one that even reached me uh, from like an excitement standpoint. It's the, I would say Peto. From perennial barrel aged imperial stout with cacao nibs and vanilla beans, yummy! You know that's going to be good. Um, can't wait to find out how that tastes, Corey. Uh, Nick Torque was at Boat Rocker. Big uh, turnaround. Apparently, uh, apparently, this was a place uh, he did not care for. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, PMAC was a fan, so he was chatting with their off-duty barman, Andrew, from the USA. Hey, was it me? <laughs> um, who walked us through the whole range of barrel-age imperial stout. That's uh, awesome. Uh, place looks good. It looks like there's some. we got some whiskey over, up over here. Yeah, because if, nice. if you remember, um, Nick Talk went to Boat Rocker a couple of months ago and he sweared off imperial stout for life uh, because of his experience with Ramjet. And the the tap room was 
lacking in atmosphere and the bar staff were rude to him. It seems like um, he just caught one. Just got a bad, he got a bad moment. Yeah, caught a bar staff in a cunty mood and, uh, yeah, didn't get a, a great experience. Seems like Andrew's a top dude by the sounds of it. Great photos. Man, I want to go there. Nick, talk. Let's let's just double team it. A couple of beers at Brewdog. And let's just head to Boat Rocker for the rest of the day. I saw saw this fella there with the thumbs up, and I was like, all right, if that's Andrew from the USA, I've met him in 20 different places probably. He (laughs) looks exactly like every guy. Um, So, yeah, great picks from Boat Rocker. Um. I know. I know. Nick was excited, um, as he should be. Those beers sorry, are outstanding. Was excited, and we had some. Uh, oh, I did not watch this video. Oh, of, you um, have to, even if you do it. I'll, with the do, video. I'll do it later. Yeah, no, I'll do be, it I'll now. Do that. Do, I'll, I'll vamp while you listen to it. It's not a right, particularly right. long video. Um, it's to give some context. It's Nick Talk giving a taste of Jetstream to a colleague of his. Now, his colleague only drinks to his new. To his new is perhaps the dullest offering in the dullest range of beer that he's offered in Australia. It is generally designed for men aged 65 into their oxygenarian stat- status. Um, it's it's consumed at your local bolo in great amounts, uh, but this tasting was kind of priceless. I don't know what Griff <laughs> thinks of it. Yeah, unfortunately, this poor fella here did not care for uh, Irish Pete. Did not care for for his um, for his jet stream. Uh, sorry, buddy. Um, it, so uh, yeah, it's interesting. So Nick's hanging out with the Irish, and he's English, and it's it's a whole set, setup over there. Um, great. So Nick, uh, or actually P Mac, before he got into. Uh, Qatar, he was drinking some airport beers. You guys got better airport beer than we do. You got some Mountain Goat Double Steam Ale. You got some, I don't know what this is, something else maybe. Um, at the There's an AFL-themed bar Yeah, you got there. Yeah, our, our footy teams like to get involved with beer. Uh, I know that's that's got Essendon on the, on the plaque, but I know last year they were involved with Colonial, so... We like to switch around. I think they're involved with Carlton Draft, which is like our mainstream, like our, our version of Bud. But, uh, yeah, at least they got Mountain well, and then, uh, Oh, and then Nick did make it to the Brew Dog. Yes, he did. Um, uh, good selection of their own beers, guest taps too. Food was good. Uh, had the buffalo cauliflower, the waggy brisket tacos. I'm sure that was good. Um, and uh, uh, Silk Road, Elvis Juice, Hazy Jane, and Lost Lager. All decent, yep. And they default to third pints. That's interesting. Um, is this a default size? Do you think right here would we call that a third of a pint? Uh, like, the, that looks like a pot size to me. Which yeah. what's a third of? No, a third of a pint. Oh, fucked if I know. The math is too hard. And you want to talk about confusing sizing. Come to Australia with confusing beer sizes. Yeah, Nick will talk you through it. it. Yeah. Schooners and your fucking shit Ponies there, yeah. and middies and, oh, it's a right. shit show. Yeah. And pints of uh, all different we, sizes. He also headed over to Four Pines Brewing where he said, I knew it would be terrible as this outlet is a dedicated small bar inside the Stolberg Hotel in Preston. Uh, 
And uh, the beer is bland and uninspiring, so he's ticking it off the list. He's also taking them off the list because they don't brew there. They brew in New South Wales. Uh, so really a pointless trip to drink a bad beer uh, for Nick. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, hey, our buddy Tom got in here, posted a pic of uh, some Deschutes chasing freshies. That's a great Pacific Northwest IPA. Hell yeah, buddy. And um, and then, hey, Nick, just, just whittling away at this, uh, getting on Facebook Messenger and actually asking people if their bar is open, something I'm not sure I would ever do. Um, he's a bolder man than I. Uh, so we've cut it down to 132 breweries left uh, to go to. Well, not left, but 132 total in uh, in Victoria. He's up to 84. He only have 48 left. You're almost there. Almost there. Um, and he's been to most of the major ones. It, I I'm, I really think it'll be interesting to see what sort of strike rate he has with the remaining breweries. Um, I know there are some gems that he's still got to check out. Sailor's Grave, for example, I'm a big fan of their stuff. That's going to be a long travel and some, somewhere I think Nick Nick will enjoy visiting because he can grab some beers and he can camp out there because it is remote. Uh, Mafco, of course, have, are going to open. It'll be interesting to see the quality of their beer because they're such a new operation because he wants to um, check them out in their early days. So it'll be I think it'll be a real mixed bag, and I don't think we'll see as many high brewery reviews in the remaining uh, third that that he's got left to go. One more post here. Uh, This is uh, from Nick about gambling. Um, He's got some bets in on here, I I would say, the next. Oh, the the tournament winner for uh, the World Cup. He's got the Netherlands and then the Golden Boot winner, uh, Keeling Mbappe. didn't didn't bet a tremendous amount here, um, but uh, hey, Netherlands is probably the one of the longer shots left. Fourteen to one, thirty-four bucks on a three. Or what's that? Thirty-four. What is that symbol, Tony? Is that that's is that pounds. pounds? That's what I was yeah, okay. going to mention. Nick is still 30, betting with his English Ladbrokes account. By his the English, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, really, it's a William Hill account. Uh, oh, so we're me, hey, me and him are brothers here. We're William. We're we're both William Hill. Uh, At least it's um, in an odds format that I understand, as opposed to that stupid fucking American 1400 plus or whatever that shit is. 14 to 1, I understand. Plus 1400, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, I, hey, I I would just do this too, but this is. No, the Australian format is the right format. Same with, same with measuring distance and temperature. We're the ones that have got it right. You guys in the States have got this wrong. So one last thing I wanted to loft out on our Discord um, for our Discord fans. I, I did learn that we are going to have a uh, uh, one of one of our great listeners is actually going to be uh, joining me in Copenhagen for the Mickler beer celebration. So hey, maybe a little mini meetup if we can get some more of our any of our other European or uh, American folks who want to make the trip. It's yeah. the first weekend in May, so uh, it's going to so be you and Kelly. Me and Guy and W Tudes is going to be uh, out there as well. Uh, he'll be coming from Chicago. I'm I'm coming straight from Vegas. Um, so if if we're if you're uh, if you're over there or looking for something to do first weekend in May, why don't you why don't you make the trip up, gang, and we'll uh, we'll go to the beer fest together. It'll be a good time. Um, it's so far off still. Five <laughs> months. Oh man, brutal. 
All right, Tony, why don't we go talk about our logger of the week, huh? Oh, we're jumping into that. Okay. People, send us questions for fuck's sake. Yeah, we're send us our stuff. That's what we want. We're happy to answer them. Uh, there we go. Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Now, Griff, what was hey, your Tony, best lager of the week? Because I don't have anything of note that I can really grasp hold of. It's probably one dis- I just drank. Really? Yeah, this was uh, called Becoming Light. It's a barrel fermented lager from Solaris Brewing alongside a Las Vegas brewing legend, Pixley, Pixley Beers, Dan Pixley, uh, who created the blog Milk of the Funk. Uh, I remember that sour home brewer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he is from here in Vegas. Um, and, uh, they released this lager at, at Corey's and I went and got some and it was, it's, it's really nice. Uh, Solaris is a great brewery. They're in, they're in, um, aren't they are towards like Temecula, California, I think Marietta. German style Pilsner fermented entirely and fermented and lagered entirely in neutral French Oak barrels. Aging in oak brings out gent- gentle woodsy nuance and mouth-drying tannins, which add to the snappy drinkability. Uh, I agree. This was fantastic. Great beer. This is my last one. I hadn't had it in a few weeks. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job with that. So that's my lager of the week. Very tasty. Excellent. Tony, you got nothing. You're drinking Oatinger. That's it. <laughs> I am. But I tell you what, I do have something for this segment. Tell you what, I'm going to give you the uh, beer style. Okay. Well, well, no, I'm not going to even give you the beer style. I'm going to give you the description. It's only one sentence long. See if you can tell me what the beer is. A beer big on molasses, raisins, and burnt sugar notes, decadent mm-hmm. and adventurous. Is that barley wine or is that Belgian quad, one of those? Nope. It's... A rum barrel-aged imperial stout from 2020. It's what I'm drinking right now from. Oh, so shit you're drinking right now. That's no fun. Ah, you no, you did that with lager of the week, so I'm allowed to do that with oh, with oh, beer okay, of the fine. week. I didn't talk about it first. I just drank it. All right, I'll let you have it. That's fine. Okay, but I, thought, what, I, heard, I heard I heard raisins. I don't know why I thought about barley wine. I was thinking like figgy. Okay, I've given you the details. You know the alcohol percent at 13.4. Uh, it's no longer in production, of course, but there were 242 check-ins. What was the untapped score, untrapped rules? 4.28. I cannot give it to you. Too low, my friend. 4.45. Oh, wow, really? I always think there's some, like, hesitance on the rum, but good good for them. There you go. You've got to remember this is Australia and... Yeah, you guys like rum. Yeah, we do like rum. Um, Bundy being a um, big staple of the Australian spirit worlds. Griff, what was your beer of the week? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think I got to go with the um, 
man, I think the latest Benthic that I had. Uh, oh, yeah, now it is because I didn't talk about it last week. I had the two by four Benthic. Um, now, you did explain that on the show. Good. What was the two by four again? Uh, twice as much coffee and four times as much coconut. Oh, Tony. that's right. That uh, was the Griff variant. Yep, this stuff was crazy. Uh, boy, talk about a rating on this. Um, two times dark matter, Cat's Y, and 4X hand-toasted coconut uh, with Elijah Craig, age nine months, Willet Bourbon, age nine months, Eagle Rare Bourbon, age 10 months, Woodford, 10 months, Woodford, Double Oak, 16 months, Bardstown, 16 months, Pinhook, 16 months. So that's all the barrel combos. Tony... 14.2%, 710 check-ins. What do you think for that one? 4.64. Close. You're close enough. It's 4.7. <laughs> there you go. I thought when you said it's big wild. and you're talking about a rating, that that's huge. It's wild shit. I'm, I'm going to have a benthic tonight. I'm in the mood for one. Um, sounds really good. Share one with Kelly. Just plain, though. I think I'll just go regular type. Good enough. Um, but yeah, that shit's wild. And and I'm going to a share Saturday, so hopefully I'll have some new new fancy stuff. My fr- friends from St. Louis brought me a, a side project stout. Can't wait to get into that. Uh that might make an appearance. We'll just have to see. But there you go. Tony, why don't we uh hop around a little bit? Uh I think we should do some of that hyper beer nerd dork shit news. First up. Oh, look who it is. This is the goddamn BrewDog show. Um, <laughs> BrewDog loses its ethical B Corp certificate. Uh, status lost after BBC film and open letter from workers alleging culture of fear at the self-styled punk brewery. So we know there's a lot of problems with this place. They uh, had last February achieved B Corp status. Now, Tony, we don't really have anything quite like that here in the U.S. No, we don't have it in Australia like, either. That that presumes to say that you are an ethical uh, and sustainable uh, company in some way. Um, uh, it's a global community of businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance to help build a better world. Um, hey, what? that's cool. Why has um, it taken so long for a corporation like this to lose its status? Oh, that's right. This is a check mark you pay for that means absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm becoming the cynic on this show, and I know that's your role to say everything's evil. No, that's true. It's all This is all bullshit. It's bullshit on both ends. Uh, BrewDog losing it is stupid. Uh, the, the fact that um, – and, and what B Corps are, uh, based on my very cursory research, I would say, after this happened um, – it's also not great. They have to pay an annual fee on a scale based on sales. So um, you have to pay a lot of money to be on this and check the box that you're ethical or whatever. Um, it's just like buying fucking carbon credits. I mean, I'm sure Sitgo would love to say they're an ethical company or whatever <laughs> if they paid enough money to the ethical company group. Um, it's stupid. So losing it, whatever. Uh, do I think any differently of BrewDog because of this? No. Uh, is it, um, I mean, it's just paying to be in a club more than anything. So it's criticized as losing its relevance as some large companies with the best questionable credentials have been awarded this accolade. 
Um, they gave it to Nespresso, <laughs> despite allegations of child labor on its coffee farms and for making those heinous little packets of garbage uh, that just go into the trash, I would say. Yep. Um, so not good. So kind of stupid across the board. Um, but hey, uh, that's that's the world we live in. But let's let's stick on Breedog for a minute. Okay. Uh, got a little more Breedog news for you. Uh, this is from, this is actually one of my least favorite places to look at anything. This is from Vital Vegas. Uh, this fellow, this Scott Rubin, Scott Robin fellow is just one of the all time most annoying fuckers on the internet. Um, <laughs> dude, he is so painful to look at and tolerate. But whatever, his right and, and boy, his writing on here is terrible too. So I'm not going to read this whole article because it's very brutal to look at. But he got on here. So the, the headline on this Brewdog opens on the strip with requisite drama. A massive new bar. Uh, Brewdog opened on the Las Vegas strip. Why did he say it that way? I don't know. A massive new bar, Brewdog has opened on the Las Vegas Strip. Okay, we know it's about Brewdog. Thank yes. you. Uh, we'd have been crushed if there hadn't been drama. Let's just say we weren't crushed. We've all got all the inside scoop about the venue opening in a million, this guy needs an editor, a million dollar bar tab giveaway that didn't exactly go as planned. Seriously, if there were no WTF, it wouldn't be Vegas. Tony. Um, so here we already talked about what the bar is. Hey, they put the menu up here, Tony. Um, I got to look at what I want to eat. Uh, all right, I'll figure Man, it out. Man, those pizzas are expensive. This is from somebody that likes paying for expensive. I mean, pizzas. this is on this is on the strip, and I actually do not think it's that expensive. <laughs> but you know, um, these aren't going to be good. These are not going to be some sort of like brand. I think name. the taco. Uh, they did just. It's their sourdough pizza is cold fermented for forty eight hours and cooked in our Neapolitan wood fired pizza oven. So I don't know why it wouldn't be good. It could be good. Yeah, it'll be fine. But cold fermented, all that means is they do what I do and stick it in a fridge for the exact same amount of time that I do. If they want to be true to actually Neapolitan pizza, they would warm ferment it or find a room that was air-conditioned to 19 degrees C and do it for 24 hours. That takes a lot more skill. I did see them put the oven in there. It's a nice wood-fired oven, I will say that. So I'm sure uh, it is, anyways, but the problem you get at Vegas you is the itinerant staff. Anyways, you uh, would get the lobster chip buddy. Absolutely. You're I getting the lobster chip buddy. 35 bucks isn't that bad for lobster. Fresh. No, I will agree with that. Uh, fresh steamed Maine lobster, French, fresh cut fries, and lobster sauce in a brioche bun. That's now, what you're getting. Question to you. I was I was doing a deep dive into pizza today, and of course I got into um, bar pizza and tavern pizza. But then I got onto uh, Courtney Stora, and she was um, doing Chicago Italian beef. Courtney Stora is the producer. I know from, she's from the Bear. From yeah. the Bear, knows how to cook. Did a great Italian beef, and um, of course the Italian beef um, uses a Toronto roll. Is that right? For the most part, at most establishments. What is that? It's whatever bread they use for Italian beef. You might not know the, the yeah, brand yeah, name, yeah. or I might have Toronto. Gone. It's Tor- yeah. Toronto. Here, that, yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Um, I thought you said Toronto. I was like, <laughs> no, I, I, it, it has a U in it and it has no other T, <laughs> but the Australian accent, you know, it does funny things. Yeah. Um, 
Is brioche the right role to be serving a lobster roll? That's my question to you. I mean, I don't know. Probably not according to a Massachusetts. No, I'm not talking about Massachusetts. Brioche is like a a soft bread. Like Italian beef, there's structure stuff to hold it up. Wouldn't you be better with something more structural? I'm not saying you have to name the brand, but I'm just thinking like brioche roll will fall apart in my hands. That's. I think it's just indulgent. But yeah, you're probably right. It might. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes you get those brioche burger buns, and they're pretty sturdy. You know. Yeah, but here's my point. I always think a potato roll is always the better option. Like, yes, it's mm-hmm. indulgent. Enrich a potato roll if you want to enrich something. But yeah, a potato good. roll yeah. stands up so much better to a burger than than brioche. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> it does look nice. I'll say. Um, uh, so here's what happened at this thing. They, uh, they did their opening. There was a big deal. They were going to give away a million dollar bar tab. So, uh, it was good for any of the, their bars around the world and their hotels. And, uh, uh, for, and it's good for like 20 something years or whatever. So they gave away the tab. Um, uh, it went to, I forget, I forget the names fellow or the fellow's name. Sorry. Uh, but it, it went sideways. So the winner, uh, won the, won the million dollar bar tab, uh, bought everyone in the building a drink, uh, which costs like 25 grand, you know, a drop in the bucket. Yep. Still got nine seventy five left. <laughs> um, and, uh, then became, uh, a little, maybe a little tipsy and was, uh, escorted out of the, uh, event, um, which maybe if you give somebody a million dollar bar tab, not that, uh, surprising. So, uh, they met expectations in terms of the attendance. They got a thousand people there. The million dollar bar tab bought everybody a beer. Uh, then they, uh, got drunk and got escorted out, but he wasn't permanently banned. Um, and he's got, um, a 20 years to use this thing. So he might've been a little drunk. I think this guy, when he, maybe when he showed up, I'm sure he'll be welcomed back. Uh, he's just going to have to keep his, maybe keep his shit together. Now on the plus side, the guy is a Vegas local, so he'll actually have a chance to go in there. Yeah. Uh, now if you great. had that, um, that prize, would you on the regular say call in and would you randomly shout the whole bar a, a, a round of drinks? Cause I think that's the right move to do. Like, not every time you go in there, but once every year or so, you've got twenty yeah, years. That's to a good idea. Yep. Hey, I got to use this shit. Yep. Um, if they had hotels in Europe somewhere, that would help me a lot. <laughs> uh, I know they have the hotels, but it's like there's one in fucking Columbus. I'm like, well, I ain't going there. Um, uh, that that would maybe be a way to use it. Be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to the UK for a week. Fuck it, I'm just staying at the Brewdog Hotel. You know. Uh, we're good, man. But, um, you're not wrong about this. You do that everywhere. You're gonna have to try to make friends. So if you're like, all right, yeah. I'm going to Stockholm or I'm going to Sweden or whatever, you're gonna have to get into a Stockholm bar and be like, well, I have to buy everybody a beer because yeah. that's the only way I'll ever use this. Otherwise, you'll be held hostage. Right, right. Um. So yeah, no, I, I think it's a it's a very difficult amount to figure out a way to use. So he would have to get a thousand people in the bar like they had for opening night, which will never happen again. Yeah. And, and then do that however many times. Right. So, 
what is that? That'd be another, that's what, Bull five poop. times, 50 times at least, yeah, or something, 40, four, 40 or 50 times, yeah. Uh, four times per 100 gram times that by 10, 40 times. There you go. Basic math. Man, you're right about this guy's uh, ramblings. I have been reading more of this article right. while we've been chatting. I, why couldn't you have chosen another outlet to actually cover this? This dude is terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's just what I found. Um, Feels like he's sorry. he's just read a press release and tried to get the corniest result from the press release. Yeah. Well, oh, well. Uh, Tony, let's let's guess. I, I think I, what I'm going to try to do, I think, is try to go there around Christmas time. So maybe when it's a little quieter here in Vegas. Yep. So I'm in like the 22nd, 23rd of December. I might try to meander meander in there. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I can, we'll see if I can pull that off and, and I'll, you know what, I'm going to go get something to eat too while I'm there too. Food looks all right. Yeah. Food does look fine. Um, it's a little pricey, but you know, I mean, I pay 16 bucks for a pizza sometimes from the food truck outside of Corey's. So yeah, but is it good? It's good as hell. It's the best. Yeah. There you go. It would have to be good. So here's, here's a new product. We haven't talked about Celci in a while. This is in the Celci ecosystem. We'll say, uh, Sunboy spiked coconut beverage I read about. So I, I didn't, this is from a while ago, this is from September, but I, I did see they received like the a brew bound, like new product of the year award or something too. And that's why this, I got, and I'm not going to read an article on brew bound. So, um, I got, I got shot over here. This is from the Nexty awards and Sunboy spiked coconut water won best new beverage. So it's a, I, I am not familiar with spiked coconut water. I did not knew, know this existed. So the world's first ready-to-drink spiked coconut water from Sunboy has been named the best new beverage. Um, I mean, I don't want to read the whole press release, but it was one of 73 finalists. The only reason this was interesting to me was because I don't know what Sunboy is, and I want to look at the flavors and talk about them. Tony, what do you think of spiked coconut water? Do you like coconut water? No, I think coconut water is the trashiest of all waters. Give me water that fish fuck in. Um, I really, like, I tried to get on board the coconut water train. I don't think it's even close to the best of the coconut flavours. Give me raw coconut. Give me coconut aged barrel stout. Give me... Uh, coconut milk, give me coconut cream. Sure. Coconut water is the worst of all of them. I don't get it. Uh, just give me salsa, or I think it's a cleaner flavor, and just flavor it up with some fruit. That's my view on it. I'm well, I kind of like it. So we got four <laughs> flavors here. Uh, we got pineapple, passion, they're all tropical. Pineapple, passion fruit, now tangerine, and they got mango coming soon. Uh, so uh, you know what? If this if this found its way into my refrigerator, uh, I would I would I would take a sippy. You know, it looks like they've got they've got it around. I mean, I don't know where to find it. I well, guess it's available it in New York, and it can be ordered by mail order to most states in America. Probably not Nevada. So you'd probably have to order it to Illinois and then get it shipped. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not getting coconut water fucking shipped to me in a break. Well, that's the but, only way you can get it. And this is a well, Sunboy press release. Right at the very bottom, it says available in stores in New York and available for home delivery in the majority of U.S. states. 
All right. Well, if anyone gets their hands on some Sunboy, hey, maybe uh, Max Allotment. You know, you're out there near New in the New York vicinity. Uh, let us know if you if you get your hands on any Sunboy. You seem like the type who would probably really like it. I think so. Uh, <laughs> It's probably perfect for you. Now, I'm just uh, going right. to give a heads up to both you and our uh, one remaining listener that they're going to hear some background noise. Uh, my uh, gardener has turned up to mow the lawns. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be some mowing noise in the background. Yay. Continue on with the okay. news. Very good. One more piece of news, Tony. This is from our favourite uh, newsletter here, The New Scientist. Uh, you and I both big science heads. No, nope. uh, I, I don't believe science is real. I believe the Earth is flat. Oh. I believe all other planets are actually spherical, but I believe the Earth is flat with a bigger ice wall around it. Science is not real. Hey, wait wait till the next game before we talk about this, all right? Wait till, <laughs> wait till we play our game here, okay? Oh, there it is. I hear it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, ancient yeast used to brew the first lagers has been discovered in Ireland. So lager originated in Europe, but the wild yeast species that was first used for brewing the beer had not been found there till now. It was lurking in the soil at an Irish university. So, Tony, the first beers that were made in Europe were ales and stouts rather than today's more popular lager-style brews, and they they rely on a fermentation from a yeast called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Now, I'll let you continue on with the article, but this science is not... 100% 100% settled. That's what I will say. I'm not denying the okay. science, but you continue on. Well, they found a, uh, instead of finding that particular yeast, they found a new organism called Saccharomyces posterianus, uh, which is um, named after the same Pastor. yeast used in, I've heard of that guy, uh, the same yeast used in lagers today. Genetic sequencing led researchers to discover that this lager-producing yeast has two ancestral species, um, and the latter was first detected in the Patagonian Andes and then since then been found in North America, China, and New Zealand, and it was finally just found in Europe until they sampled soils from the wooded area of their university campus. So they found, you know what, now they're going to see... If they can, uh, they've been in touch with some commercial partners to see if they can make a beer with this new yeast, um, which I guess, uh, what would this one be? Is this one the... This would be the Saccharomyces Ebing... Ubianus? Ubianus? Aracumbo. Yeah, perfect. No problem. So they'll... They're going to try to make a beer with this. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, you know, you know who they got to get with is who was making it. Was it Dogfish Head making all the like different ancient ales or whatever? Yeah, and the it was Dogfish Head. Who are they let's owned get, by let's now? Let's get Dogfish Head on this. Uh, Mr. Samuel Adams. I think they merged with Samuel Adams. I don't think they so. merged. I think they got taken over by the Celsa giant that is Sam Adams. Yeah, now, that's actually a good point. You're probably right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they, they spoke about an, ancestral species because – from my understanding is the majority of lager yeast is still Saccharomyces cerevisiae that actually just thrives in colder temperatures. Yes, there is this this other th- thread. It used to go by a different name, um, but there is there's no definitive proof that lager yeast 
and um, Saccharomyces um, cerevisiae are are distinct from one another at the genetic core. I know they they talked about it here, but that is still up for contention. Um, what we can say is it's definitely a deviation from Saccharomyces cerevisiae, whether it's it's purely that or it does have some of this um, this new yeast will be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see whether this new yeast is strong enough to actually produce a beer that will be um, drinkable. And, and I think that will actually lead to a definitive question, what is the contributing factor in lager yeast? Because I think we can think of lager yeast more as a brand blend rather than a true offshoot of our yeast. All right. Well, let's see if they can get a, you know, the St. James Gate Brewery to make it for them, you know, yeah. over there in Ireland. I think they're making beer over there. Sorry to well, somebody, uh, go all homebrew and nerd on you. You went, you went yeah. full hyper dork shit right there. That yep. was crazy. We, we Our heads are spinning. Um, all right, Tony. Well, that was all smart and shit, but how about we do something very stupid? Uh, I have a great new game for us to play that I came up with. Uh, while I was in the shower, uh, nude as a goddamn jaybird, white rubbing off, uh, uh, cleaning off the dirt from my cock. It was great. <laughs> and, and came up with this killer, killer game that you're going to love. And I what want to make sure. What song were you singing at the same time that you were doing that? Uh, I was, I was singing the uh, theme from Elf, uh, I think. <laughs> of course you were. Uh, <laughs> I thought but, it was uh, either going to be Elf or Char- Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge. I know that one too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is this or that. So why don't we hit that music, Tony? Plink, plunk, plink, plunk, 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 This or that. All right, Tony, I think this is easily the dumbest this or that I have ever put together uh, and took me one, among the longest amount of time to make it happen. Um, so this, this or that I call, uh, inspired by our, our last um, article there about ancient beers, this is called Ancient Ale. Or ancient aliens. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, Tony, I have uh, a list of various ancient aliens. Now, ancient aliens. If I hope, I hope our listeners have seen the show with the feller with the crazy uh, hair there. That uh, he goes around to ancient, uh, not ancient Egypt. He can't go there. That's gone. <laughs> he goes around. He goes to current Egypt where there are many artifacts and, and uh, structures left from those times and, and makes wild claims based on, I would say, uh, uh, specious evidence that say, <laughs> uh, hey, there's no way we could have figured out how to put this together. Um, and whether that's true or not, it doesn't really matter, right? Um it just it's just something you have to say and you can put on I mean it's on for twelve hours a day on the morning channel. So check it out. Or history channel, one of those. Uh, so what I have a list is very of is list various ancient aliens. Uh, I obtained some of these um, from uh, I, I like the idea I, I was getting anxious because some of these I got off of like a fandom site. Um, but then I was like and I was like, well, but these aren't real ancient aliens. And I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> Yeah, none of them are real. None of them are real. 
they're all made up from different stories, so they are all obviously sci-fi characters, right? It's just that some people sci-fi in the L. Ron Hubbard mode mold. Uh, people started to think, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that happened. Huh? And then uh, on a more accurate, from a more accurate standpoint, I have a list of beer or beer-like uh, materials, uh, substances that were created in ancient times. Uh, so actually, Tony, you were lying. That was not, that, there is not a gardener in there. It is a UFO landing. <laughs> it does sound like that, doesn't it? He's Here, got the yeah. loofah snipper out. So Tony, this is ancient aliens or ancient ales. Let's start with the first one. The first one, uh, and I'm going to pronounce all of these as best I can. Certainly will not sound like I'm, um, uh, a resident of ancient Egypt or, or, uh, one of the Mayans or something. This one's called Hekir, H-E-K-I-R, Hekir. Oh, so you said this game was going to be easy. Um, probably just going to be hard. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think some of them are probably harder than others or easier than others. Cause this like, it's reminiscent of the terrible yeast that is Quebec yeast that I really wanted to love, but you were right about there is no good Quebec beers. Um, so I'm going to say that it's too similar to Quebec, and that's how you were get, going to trick me. I think this is an ancient alien. All right, Tony. Hekir is indeed an ancient alien. The Hekirs are an avian race in the uh, uh, from the story Breeding Humans. They evolved on the planet Runia 100,000 billion years ago. There's a better way to say that. In the previous universe. Uh, scientifically known as Hekir Sapir Sapir, the Hekir were dominant life forms on Runia. They're gaunt bipedal beings possessing four limbs. The average height of an adult was two and a half meters and they're descended from avian stock. So this is sort of a bird. Sort of looks like a bird if you merge a bird's head or like a heron's head. You know what a heron is, Tony? Oh, yeah. Very funny. Uh, but if you put like a Mars Attacks type brain in that thing. Now, there. question. You're a big watcher of ancient aliens. Why are <clears> most <throat> aliens bipedal? i.e. stand on two legs. I know that's how we evolved, but it's because we can't think of humans are too stupid to think of anything that's non-humanoid. You can even see it in the way we like draw animals yes. <laughs> or like think of animals. We make them humanoid in some way. We we anthropomorphize everything. There's no I think you're absolutely right there. My um alien's gonna get super loud here for a second. But like yeah, there are so many different ways. I understand why the head is always at the top that that's kind of a, you could say, a good evolutionary structure. But, um, yeah, the bipedal thing is is weird. Like, we came from... Um, it's very strange, yeah. ...a version of apes where, where that's how they evolved. But, yeah, it doesn't make sense for most species to be to be bipedal or even quadpedal. Why can't we have more spider, spider aliens? That's what I want to know. Spiders uh, walk different, walk on like, walk upside down, uh, head head in the middle of the, or like uh, their, whatever the consciousness is or the vision comes from the center of the body. You know, I think any of that stuff, right? I mean, could be anything, you know? Um, all right, next one. Tony's one for one. Uh, this one's, uh, this one's called Keshab. Keshab, K-E- S H A B. 
That sounds like a brand that should be on the Eco Brands website, whatever that thing was called. Um, on, the, on the B Corp list? Yeah. They, they, you're saying K-Shop makes like uh, hemp bags. Hemp handbags or, or shopping right, bags. Yeah. They make yeah, the right. reusable good. shopping bags. They're on they're on QVC with the K with the my ooh my K shop. <laughs> so K shop is a beer. This is some amalgamation of the brewer's name with some sort of adjunct that they're putting in. I think this is a beer, not an ancient alien. Um, yeah, I cannot see Sweary Kerry. Shout out to my fringe at knowledge fight. Um, Sweary Kerry, of course, being a alien. Alien expert who is also also using that as um, a cover to be an anti-Semite, um, but uh, K Swab is not an ancient alien. This is a beer. You're saying this is an ancient ale. Uh, K Shab is a beer-like substance uh, made enough. with whole loaves of bread or barley. That also used mint, lemon leaves, nigella. Hey, some nice hooters on her. Uh, pepper or rue uh, is historically consumed in the coastal provinces of Egypt. Um, so sort of more of a group, I would say. Um, but uh, probably a lot of these types of things were Groot-like. Yeah. Hey, my logic was poor, but my answer was correct, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Perfect. Well done. Okay. So you're two for two. You're on a roll here, Tony. The next one I have for you is called Anunnaki. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, this is my wheelhouse. This is right-wing bullshit. The Anunnaki oh. <laughs> are a <laughs> huge enemy to the Palladians. Come on. This is ancient alien bullshit. Gary Cassidy wheelhouse. Don't even need to know the answer. Next question. This is ancient alien well, for our listeners, uh, Zachariah Sitchin argues that there are Sumerian texts that tell the story that 50 Anunnaki inhabitants of a planet named Nibiru came to Earth approximately 400,000 years ago with the intent of mining raw materials, especially gold, for transport back to Nibiru. With their small numbers, they soon grew tired of the task and set out to genetically engineer laborers to work in the mines. After much trial and error, they eventually created Homo sapiens, uh, the Adapa model, uh, or Adam, of later mythology. Uh, Sitchin contended the Anunnaki were active in human affairs until their culture was destroyed by global catastrophes caused by the abrupt end of the last ice age. Okay, so what you need to look up, people, is Captain Mark Richards. Uh, this is exactly what I was talking about with Sweary Kerry. Uh, she's Captain Mark Richards' bigger fan, biggest fan. Mark Richards is a man that is imprisoned for murder, and uses um, the Anunnaki to promote his anti-Semitic views. Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that we all know that now. That's amazing. All right. Next up, this is called Festum. 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 F. Sorry, Fastum. No, Festum. I'm right the first time. F e s t u m. So my instinct says beer or beer-like substance. So I don't think this is an. I've never heard Sweary Carey mention this or seen it on a Discovery Channel program or a Learning Channel program. So I'm going to say that this is still an alien. 
it just it seems too obvious to be a, a beer-like substance. So I'm going to go against my instincts and say... You're on Alien. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tony, Festum is an ancient alien. Uh, they are a silicon-based superorganism uh, <laughs> that seeks to assimilate all life in the cosmos. Um, okay, the so Democratic 20- Party of Aliens. Okay, so some of this is ancient and some of this is in the future, which is concerning, I would say. Uh, really? You do know time is just a construct that we as human beings use to disseminate <laughs> The uh, dimension. In 2098 AD, Japanese scientists discover the ancient Mir. Then in 2114 AD, the Festum invasion of Earth begins, led by a second Mir, which lands in the Arctic. They destroy all of Earth's satellites, devastate public infrastructure, and attack all the nations of the Earth. They've wiped out NATO and UN headquarters. <laughs> hey, when, they can, when can they start? Uh, <laughs> All right, Tony, you're on a roll here. I told you you had a good chance of this one. I just mostly like the name of the game, though. That was really my favorite part of it. But uh, like the roller coaster game, did you know I was this deep in the rabbit hole of, of alien bullshittery through my uh, uh, right wing? That was uh, one of the. I, 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 I had a higher risk of that. I knew that. Um, so I did not know that you were, but I, I, I anticipated a potential high risk situation um, with any of this stuff that appears. Uh, if it's on TV after 11 p.m., uh, we got to be concerned that Tony's going to have a lot of insight on it. So if you go on the Travel Channel and you can just watch people ride roller coasters for three hours, you got to be careful. By the way, I'm deep in uh, that rabbit hole at the moment because I've just got okay. a new game called Planet Coaster. So I'm back down that rabbit hole. Hell yeah. All right. Next one I have for you, Tony. This one's called Octly. Octly. Ockley doesn't roll off the tongue, and this is the thing I know about the alien world: is either you're mispronouncing it, and it has like a um, a Hebrew, Hebrew or or Spanish kind of start to that. There word. are a lot of them with um, maybe Hebrew. Uh, yeah, I would say Hebrew or um, Yiddish roots, but. I think this is some sort of weird amalgamation around beers and initials. It sounds like a nonsensical beer word for something that's pretty high in alcohol and that is an ancient beer-like substance. Give me beer-like substance for the win. Ancient ale. All right, Tony. Octley, uh, you may know, is now called Polke. And it is obtained by fermenting the sap of the agaves uh, and ends up quite like cider. So this is fermented uh, agave sap. Uh, this well, was this would be a drink popular with the uh, Mayans or the uh, Aztecs. Which is interesting. Um, and, and their place in society, like they're considered one of the most advanced at certain times, but I was listening to uh, a podcast. If you're not familiar with a podcast, check them out. They're great for learning stuff. And it was sort of talking about why Mayan and Aztec culture is sort of prevalent and it just turns out that their environment is suited to 
actually archiving a lot of mm-hmm. the things that they may have known in time. So it's it's sort of an interesting thought that history is only something we know through being able to archive things, whether it be yep. through bones or, or skeleton skeletal remains or, or, and, that's, or and, that's, you know, the, and the Anunnaki left so little behind. We really don't, you know, can you tell I'm a bomber deep in 13.4% Imperial stout when I'm talking nonsense like this? <laughs> Getting there. Um, <laughs> all right. Next one I have for you. This is called Hecate. Hecate. H-E-Q-E-T. This is another ancient ale-like substance. No self-respecting alien uh, person would use a word like this to come up with an alien-like substance, whether it be a carbon-based life life form like the humans or the Sasquatch or a silicon-based life form. Um, Yeah, so I, I believe this is an ancient beverage. Well, bad news, Tony. Hecate was the leader of the Hekir. No, I'm just kidding. It's a it's an ancient honey <laughs> ale from Egypt. Uh, this is this is maybe one of the more popular Egyptian uh, beverages that uh, we all know about. This was the easiest one for me to find. Is Hecate. Um, all right, Tony's getting gotten them all right. He's six for six. He's pretty much good. Uh, but let's let's do these next ones for fun. Uh, this next one I have for you is called. Uh, Oanis, Oanis, Oanis. Uh, it is O A N N E S. This is too similar to the way that Stone um, write about their stout, which like it's just a chili pepper stout. So I'm going to say this is an ancient beer-like substance. All right, Tony, I got one from I got one off you. Damn. This is an ancient alien. This is from uh, Shlovsky, oh, and Carl Sagan. Uh, they have cited tales of Owanis. I don't know what it, I don't know how to say that. I don't, I don't know if I say it like Oaxaca, Wanis, but it is yeah. a fish-like being uh, attributed with teaching agriculture, mathematics, and arts <laughs> to the early Sumerians as deserving closer scrutiny as a possible instance of paleo contact due to its consistency in detail. Okay. So there must be some sort of content that I jacked out of here, but um, yeah, he was fish like. So I'm thinking shape of water type feller comes out, comes out of the water. Uh, He gets dropped in there. He he pops out and he's like, all right, why don't we learn about art? (laughs) Yes. And philosophy. And yeah. Yeah. Time, time for some art. Uh, and, and let me tell you about, um, nihilism. Uh, we don't call it that cause we're aliens or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, all right. Next one I got for you. This is called Bal Balche. Balche. B-A-L-C-H-E. Balche. Every instinct says B. So therefore... My instincts are often wrong. This is the thing I've learned. So you have to go against them. And I think this is a relatively recent um, construction, and I think it's, it's come into the ancient alien reign, post-Bolsonaro. So I'm going to say ancient alien. Does Bolsonaro have an ancient alien thing about him? <laughs> he has to, right? That, that dude's not human. 
I mean, he's he is in the hospital more than any man um, has ever been. But yeah, Tony, I'm I'm on a run here. I got a couple off here. This Balshe is a mildly intoxicating beverage that was commonly consumed by the ancient Mayans in what is now Mexico and Upper Central America. Oh, say Today, it wasn't it is is actually still common among the Yucatec Maya. It's made from the bark of a leguminous tree, the Lanchocarpus violaceus, and it is then that bark is soaked in honey and water and fermented. You know, one thing you got to say about um, uh, people who are making fermented drinks like this, um, they were indu- very industrious, uh, even miserly people, you would say. They... We cannot throw away this bark. We can try to get drunk on it Well, somehow. No, but see, you're looking at it the wrong way. This bark is, is making our water potable. That's all that really is saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, but I, I mean, uh, how to come up with that, I guess, I guess you, I, I'm not sure. You know, that's, uh, that's, I think I would say that speaks more to the industriousness of. Um, yeah. People from a long time ago, we, we, you and I would not have that capability. I, I would say that you and I would just be dead. Absolutely, um, you're correct. But, but what we're talking about is the ten or twenty five percent of people that managed to survive. And, and okay, fair enough. Not every one of those people that survives actually looks at why they're surviving. But maybe some bark that fell in a puddle made them survive. So they put more bark in that puddle, and yep. and then that suddenly. Somebody over a or, or a group of people over two, three hundred, four hundred years understand that that then becomes a drink, and then that becomes a way of surviving. It's, it's they, all, they all knew to, they somehow knew look, we got to get sugar in there. We got to get something sweet in there. See that? No, or else they the didn't know that. Not happen, you know? See that? You're they looking at through a modern lens that they knew what sweet was. <laughs> this this bark was probably unrefined. It had it probably had a small quantity of sugar in it. Well, I mean, here they put honey, they soaked it in honey. And that probably just tastes good, I guess. But yeah. Yes, but often um, Megid is, is looked upon as the first alcoholic beverage because it was perhaps the easiest source of refined sugar that we had yep. that could be That's fermented. True. So I, th- I think it's... Name? Uh, uh, you know, Beowulf love taking down some mead there, huh? I'm not really a Beowulf guy. If you do a Beowulf this or that, I'm in big trouble. I have I have read it in Old English, so I didn't quite get it because I don't speak Old English. Uh, have, have you? Has anybody ever told you you're a nerd, my friend? Uh, I, I was uh, 19, had to do for school, so, so that's just how just how it is in Old English. Uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, I at least had to do the first like fucking tome or whatever first first verses. Sounds um, like you did it for fun. Yeah. yeah, I was doing. It for, you know me. I, I was do. not getting drunk for fun. I was reading Beowulf. Um, last couple here, Tony. You are six for eight. We got two left. This one's called. Uh, this one's called Dinyari. Dinyari. I think I've heard of this. I think this is an ancient alien. I think. You're right. This is an ancient alien. I'm going to give you that. Okay. These are an ancient, uh, extremely evil, highly intelligent, and lazy race capable of mental compulsion. A single Dinyari could control uh, psychically an entire planet. They resemble large brown toads 
with two suckers at the end of each of the four legs, a grossly pulsating skull, and sinister-looking faces. Do you know what Man, this is code this. for? This Lindsey is... Graham. <laughs> well, no, I wish. It's actually code for the thing that Kanye is railing against. This is how deep this sort of stuff goes. Is this thing in there? Oh, my God. Um, this stuff goes deep, my friend. Like, it's all fun and games until, like, people espouse Nazi thoughts. Uh, well, this thing uh, is ugly, and uh, it's it's apparently evil or whatever. Or the Urquan are in here. Yeah, I could see that being a whole situation. All right. All right, Tony, you're right. That's an alien. Um. You got four out of the five aliens right. Amazing. <laughs> so that means you know that the last one is. Uh, this one's called Booza. Uh, this is my favorite name for one. Booza. Well, I didn't know until you said that. I didn't, because I thought you were being smarter these days and weren't splitting your numbers evenly, which going forward, just make a note to yourself. Don't split the numbers evenly. So therefore, I, I can't I count. But yeah, uh, yeah Booza is a beverage. Hence where we yeah, get the is. name booze from. This is this is a beer they just made with whole bread. So you just throw the it's sort of like what's that called? Kvass? Yeah, Kvass, which is the, yeah, uh, the whole, Scandinavian whole or, or Norwegian, because Norway isn't a part of Scandinavia. They make it with rye, so it could presumably be Scandinavian in some way. I'm not sure. The best Kvass I've had is the one from Anta Flora. It is very tasty. Uh kind of tart. I've never had that actual style of beer. I've heard a lot about it. What What is your thoughts on it? Is it a worthwhile pursuit? Do you find a good one? Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's like 2.5% or 3%. Kind of tart, spicy. Um, fun beer to drink. I, I like them. Yeah. There is one, and they, they did a different type of kvass too with pretzels. They're throwing fucking whole pretzels in there. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I See, almost had a pretzel gosa thing about it. That's the thing with a lot of these ancient beverages. They're not high in alcohol. These were, mm-hmm. as I was talking about, just something that would make your water, water potable. When we talk about table beer, that goes back to the um, early American um, civilization. Um, right. Not talking yep. Native American, we're talking white guy civilization there. Um, George Washington types. Hey, children, three, two, three, four, were brought up on table beer because it was the only way to make water potable. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that the the tasty beverages are actually very low in alcohol yep. volu- volume. So, yep, yeah, the stuff tended to be a lot lighter. So, um, you're exactly right. Uh, that was actually one thing during my ancient ale research was that most of these beers tend to be about two. Two and a half percent at the most. So, um, listen, hey, we can't, you know, buds. Maybe, maybe the um, World Cup was right, uh, but maybe we need to split the difference. We should be drinking Michelob Ultra. Uh, that's what two point eight, or is that like four point one? I don't know. What is Michelob? Where is Michelob Ultra? At? <laughs> I don't know. I drank my first Michelob Ultra the other day, Tony. I had was it on an aircraft? No, I was on, um, we were at the, the Henderson Silver Knights, took advantage of my free suite that I had at the Silver Knights. We had an amazing time. We drank a lot 
lot of uh, uh, we had to, we had to finish a bottle of uh, Jack and a bottle of vodka and a bottle of wine and twelve Budweisers. But I got like sixteen or eighteen people up there, so we took them down. We were worried about the Budweisers. Then Kelly got into like uh, Kelly got into Kelly mode and she started handing the Budweisers out. Be like, all right, we all got to drink a Budweiser before the third period starts. And uh, we did that. So it was a party, but I had my first Michelob Ultra out in the tailgate before the game. And it was fine. It was actually probably one of my favorite light beers. It was pretty inoffensive tasting. Now, I can't find the alcohol. Oh, 4.2. Okay. Michelob Ultra. And that's the standard Michelob Ultra, which is 26 carbs or 95 calories. Mm. Is that good? I don't know. That's like one less calorie than a Bud Light, isn't it? Well, <laughs> um, Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer Blueberry Watermelon has 90 calories and zero added sugar. I love the marketing there. <laughs> they, they don't give the they – they give the calories, but they don't give a carb factor. Like I think it. Zoe Kravitz did a Super Bowl commercial for that shit. So. Good on her. There's that. I'm a big right, fan of celebrities getting paid for – for yeah. shilling a product, but if you want to email us, yeah, if you want to email us and give us a product to shill, what would you like to shill, Griff? What would you, your favourite product be to shill? Ooh, uh, I I would say um, probably the uh, uh, like a some kind of koozie or like a Yeti cup or some shit like that. Actually, you know what? I'm liking my. Uh, I got one of them thermal coffee mugs. Okay. Those are kind of nice. I like that they keep your coffee warm. So if a thermal coffee company wants to sponsor us, they can hit us up on email at beerengineshow at gmail.com or if you want to hit, hit us up for any reason. But oh, that are fleshlights, Tony. If any fleshlight companies want to hey, reach out to us. If you're a fleshlight <laughs> company, why not just give us a tip and then we'll use that tip money to buy a fleshlight. And you can do that at ko-fi. <laughs> dot com forward slash beer engine podcast or if you want to see us in our full kim kardashian style glory you can check us out on instagram at beer engine pod we need to get on the tiktoks i might be in charge of that i'm too lazy for that griff does all the work here if you haven't noticed i do the cool music and i do the bad music i do the great singing I do the appalling scene. That's all me other than Chris um, Lager of Tony, the Week. Tony do, Tony, do a TikTok dance. That's what we need. Hey, Dancing Tony was a TikTok dance before TikTok was a thing. It was, TikTok didn't exist. Yeah, the yeah. Chinese hadn't even taken us over yet. But honestly, thank you for all the work that you put in. Um, it's great fun to get <laughs> with you every week. Um, you'll only get me this emotional when I've had a bummer of stout so enjoy the rum rum and stout all right that's great all right gang uh join our discord send us an email uh drop us a line on instagram we will add you to the discord and hang out with us there uh that's about it tony do you have anything else to throw out there (laughs) Um, look up captain mark richards it's a fucked up story and watch ancient aliens every night at uh you know, 1.30 a.m. on the Learning Channel or History Channel. I actually do not know which one it's on. Or listen to Sweary Carey, um, but just know that she could be a Nazi. Uh, no, okay. I, I say should could be a Nazi, actually is a Nazi. Great way to end our show. All right, guys, see you next week. Bye. <laughs>